You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Jeremiah chapter number 12, and uh, we'll read this entire chapter, all 17 verses. Jeremiah chapter number 12 and verse number 1. And I'd encourage you, if you have your Bibles there, to read along as we're uh, reading here. Jeremiah chapter 12 and verse number 1. The Bible says, Righteous art thou, O Lord, when I plead with thee. Yet let me talk with thee of thy judgments. Wherefore doth the way of the wicked prosper? Wherefore are all they happy that deal very treacherously? Thou hast planted them, yea, they have taken root. They grow, yea, they bring forth fruit. Thou art near in their mouth and far from their reins. But thou, O Lord, knowest me. Thou hast seen me and tried mine heart toward thee. Pull them out like sheep for the slaughter and prepare them for the day of slaughter. How long shall the land mourn and the herbs of every field wither for the wickedness of them that dwell therein? The beasts are consumed and the birds Because they said, He shall not see our last end. If thou hast run with the footmen, and they have wearied thee, then how canst thou contend with horses? And if the land of peace, wherein thou trustest, they wearied thee, then how wilt thou do in the swelling of Jordan? For even thy brethren, and the house of thy father, even they have dealt treacherously with thee. Yea, they have called a multitude after thee. Believe them not, though they speak fair words unto thee. I have forsaken mine house. I have left mine heritage. I have given the dearly beloved of my soul into the hand of her enemies. Mine heritage is unto me as a lion in the forest. It crieth out against me. Therefore have I hated it. Mine heritage is unto me as a speckled bird. The birds round about are against her. Come ye. Assemble all the beasts of the field, come to the devour. Many pastors have destroyed my vineyard. They have trodden my portion underfoot. They have made pleasant my pleasant portion a desolate wilderness. They have made it desolate, and being desolate, it mourneth unto me. The whole land is made desolate, because no man layeth it to heart. The spoilers are come upon all high places through the wilderness, For the sword of the Lord shall devour from one end of the land, even to the other end of the land. No flesh shall have peace. They have sown wheat, but shall reap thorns. They have put themselves to pain, but shall not profit. And they shall be ashamed of your revenues because of the fierce anger of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord against all my neighbors that touch the inheritance which I have caused my people Israel to inherit. Behold, I will pluck them out of their land and pluck out the house of Judah from among them. And it shall come to pass, after that I have plucked them out, I will return and have compassion on them and will bring them again, every man to his heritage and every man to his land. And it shall come to pass, if they will diligently learn the ways of my people to swear by my name, the Lord liveth. As they taught my people to swear by Baal, then shall they be built in the midst of my people. 
and verse 17, but if they will not obey, I will utterly pluck up and destroy that nation, saith the Lord. Amen. And let's pray. Our Father, we come before you tonight and we are uh, anxiously awaiting to hear from your word. Lord, I know that I need this truth and Lord, I've studied it, I've prepared it, but Lord, I need to be reminded again tonight. And I pray that you would help us, Lord, as hearers, as listeners. I pray that the word of God would work in our hearts and lives. I pray tonight as uh, we are assembled in our various places, I pray for Brother Edmund Dixon, who is uh, going in for bypass surgery tomorrow. I pray for Virginia Cribb, who is uh, recovering from her hip surgery. I pray for Mrs. Fields, recovering from a broken bone over at Liberty Commons. And Lord, I pray for uh, our members, Lord, who are recovering from surgeries. I think of those who have lost loved ones. Lord, my heart is so, so broken for Brother Mark and Miss Jodina and their family. Thank you for that song that she sung tonight. And what a, a powerful song, especially for what they have gone through. Lord, I pray that you continue to be with the McKinney family, give them comfort and strength. And Lord, watch over our members. I pray that you'd keep us safe. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to stay encouraged. I pray that you'd help us to stay faithful and true. May we get in your word and may we stay on our knees like never before. We pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Jeremiah chapter 12, it starts in verse number 1. It says, Righteous art thou, O Lord. We could be here all night talking about that one statement. I want to remind you tonight that God is always right. Everything he does, it's always right. You say, I don't understand it. I don't either. If I understood everything God did, then he wouldn't be God. But God is always right. Not only is God always right, but he is always good. He's never made a mistake. He's never made a mistake in your life. He's never made a mistake in my life. He's not planning on starting now. He never makes mistakes. He is always good. He is always right. We are not always right. And I know that's hard for some of us husbands to admit, but wives, you could tell us the truth and you could tell us we're not always right. But can I tell you, God is always right. God is good and he is right. Jeremiah, he recognizes that fact because he's getting ready to ask some questions of God. He says in verse number one, why do the wicked prosper? Why does it seem like the people that are wicked, they are happy, verse number one. The people that were hurting him and harming him, and can I tell you, that's a good question. Sometimes we look around and it seems like the people who are living for the devil and living for the world, it seems like they're doing great. I think the answer to that question is found in Psalm 73. Asaph wrote that psalm and he said, I, I couldn't understand why it seemed like the wicked, they were doing so well and the righteous were suffering. But Asaph said, but when I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I their end. Asaph said, I realized that they might be doing good now, but this is the best they've got. This life is the best that they'll ever have because for people that do not know Christ, they will spend eternity in a place called hell. For the child of God, you may suffer and you may go through hardships, but I want to tell you the worst you'll ever experience is down here on this earth because we have eternity to look forward to in heaven. It seems like the wicked prosper, but I'll tell you it's not like that. Verse 2, they seem to be planted, they seem to be established, they talk about God, but their heart is far from God. It says in verse 2, that thou art near in their mouth and far from their reins. Verse 3, Jeremiah says, but you, Lord, you know me. 
And I'll tell you, that's a sobering statement because God does know us. He sees beyond the facade. He sees beyond the front. He sees beyond the smile. He sees beyond the, the outside and God sees our heart. And Jeremiah said, Lord, you know my heart. You have seen me. Verse number three, you have tried me. He said, God, you've tested me. You know what's in my heart. And I encourage you tonight, friend, to allow God to search you and try you. And anything God finds in your life that needs to be changed or anything in my life that needs to be changed, let the Lord have his way. Let God do the work in your life to make you clean and to make you right. Verse number three, Jeremiah almost out of desperation. He says, Lord, you know me, but God, I want you to judge them. And uh, if, if we were in Jeremiah's shoes, I think we'd have said the same thing. He was preaching the truth. He was preaching what was right. He was doing what God wanted him to do. And they hated his guts for it. And Jeremiah said, would you please judge them? Pull them out like sheep for the slaughter and prepare them for the day of slaughter. Verse four, how long shall the land mourn? The land had been without rain for some time. It was God's judgment upon his people. They wanted to kill Jeremiah. They said, verse 4, because they said, he shall not see our last end. It's almost as if, although they didn't believe Jeremiah's prophecy, just in case he was right, they wanted to kill him so he couldn't be proven right. They didn't want Jeremiah to see how it was going to turn out. They wanted to kill him. Verse number 5. If thou hast run with the footmen, and they have wearied thee, then how canst thou contend with horses? And if in the land of peace, wherein thou trustest, they wearied thee, then how wilt thou do in the swelling of Jordan? I'm going to come back to this verse at the end, but what, what's happening here is God is preparing Jeremiah. You see, in the last chapter, there were the men of Anathoth from his hometown that hated him and wanted to hurt him. But God was telling Jeremiah, saying, if you're having a hard time with that, I want to tell you it's going to get harder. Because there would be the leaders in Jerusalem that would persecute him. Jeremiah, later in his ministry, he would have a king who would oppose him and a king that would cast him into a pit. And God was saying, hey, Jeremiah, if you're having a hard time now, it's not getting any easier. Verse number six, we talked about that. Verse seven God says to Jeremiah, he says, I have forsaken mine house. I've left mine heritage. And of course, God never forsakes. God never leaves his people, but God does remove his blessing. God does remove his hand of protection from them. And God gave them over to their enemies. Verses eight and nine, we see that Judah was surrounded by their enemies. And there are examples given here of animals. And an animal that is alone and an animal that is surrounded by predators and an animal that is being attacked. And God likens Judah to an animal under attack by predators surrounding the animal. Verse number 10, it says, many pastors have destroyed my vineyard. Of course, in the Old Testament, you don't find the word pastor like a shepherd of a, a flock of people, like a pastor of a church. But this word pastors literally refers to the generals, the leaders of the Babylonian armies that were coming and they were going to destroy Judah and destroy the land. Verse 11, they made it desolate. It says in verse 11, they made it desolate and being desolate, it mourneth unto me. The whole land is made desolate because no man layeth it to heart. Jeremiah said the, the whole land is destroyed because nobody took 
God seriously. Wow. I'll tell you, I think we're living in that day today. I think we could make application. Can I tell you, I believe we're experiencing God's judgment in our land. I think we're seeing God's judgment in our world. And what's so sad to me is so many people don't even take God seriously. So many people don't even take the warning seriously that I believe God is giving to us. Verse 12, the Bible says there would be spoilers. These would be the soldiers that would come uh, through the land and would devour from one end to the other. The Bible says there would be no flesh that would have peace. You say, well, how come the land was destroyed and how come there was no peace? I'll tell you exactly why. Because when you reject God, you're not going to have peace in your life. I'm not going to have peace in my life if, if I push God out and I don't listen to God and I don't take God seriously. There will be no peace and there was no peace for God's people. Verse number 13, we see that they were reaping the consequences. They experienced the, the fierce anger of God. I'm thankful that our God is a God of love. We'll see that in a moment. But I want to remind us that our God is a God who is holy. And the Bible says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 12. The Bible says our God is a consuming fire. I tell you, God is a God of love and mercy. But there reaches a point where God extends his mercy and God extends his love and we reject those things and God says, okay, if you're not going to accept my love and my mercy, then there's only one thing left for you and that is my judgment. And God's people rejected him and they were experiencing that judgment. Verse number 14, thus saith the Lord against all mine uh, evil neighbors that touch the inheritance, Behold, I will pluck them out of their land and pluck out the house of Judah from among them. Now, go back to verse number two. Remember in verse two where Jeremiah said, it seems like the wicked are happy. It seems like the wicked are doing fine. And in verse two, he says, thou hast planted them. Yea, they have taken root. Jeremiah says that the wicked, they're not only doing good, but they're not just having a lucky day. They're established. They're settled. They've got a good life. They've got a good setup. And they're doing fine. And they're, 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 they're fine and dandy as far as we can see. It seemed like they were rooted. But in verse number 15, God says that he would pluck them up. God said that he would root them out. God says that he would judge them for their wickedness. Not only the nations surrounding, but Judah itself would be judged. Verse number 15. Oh, but the verse doesn't end there. It says, God says that I will pluck them out, but he says, I will return and have compassion on them and bring them again, every man to his heritage and every man to his land. I want to tell you, in the midst of judgment, God is a God of mercy. God is a God of compassion and God is a God of love. Hallelujah for the mercy of God. Aren't you glad that when you and I were lost in our sins and there was no hope? There was no way that we could ever uh, atone for our sins. There was no way we could ever wipe away our sins. We could never have our sins forgiven. All but the mercy of God came in. And hallelujah for the mercy of God in our lives. Thank God for salvation. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. And thank God for his compassion and his mercy. Verse number 16. 
It shall come to pass if they will diligently learn the ways of my people to swear by, by my name, the Lord liveth. Then they shall be built in the midst of my people. God says if they will repent, if they will get right, if they will confess their sin, they will return and they will be restored. I'm glad to, to tell you that there is still hope. I'm glad that God forgives. I'm glad that God cleanses. I'm glad that God is in the business of changing lives and God will take you seriously when you take him seriously. Verse number 17, the Bible says, if they will not obey, I will utterly, there it is again, pluck up and destroy that nation, saith the Lord. God warned his people that if they would not obey, they would be judged and they would suffer the consequences. I want to draw your attention back to verse number five. I've gone through this chapter quickly and I won't be long, but I want you to see in verse number five and a little bit of verse number six, I want to show you a verse that, that really was God's challenge to Jeremiah. Jeremiah was weary. He was worn out. He was probably a little bit discouraged. He was trying to do what was right. He was facing opposition. And God gave Jeremiah a word of encouragement. He says in verse number five, if thou hast run with the footmen. Now, if you're in a battle, you might be able to keep up with soldiers, with men that are, that are on foot, and you might be able to keep up with them and maybe someone who would be faster than the other, but you can pretty much keep up or at least have a chance. But what if you had to keep up with a horse? What if you were put in battle on foot and they said, all right, now you need to keep up with the guys on the horses. <laughs> that would be a problem. Can I tell you, people can't run as fast as horses. Uh, people aren't as strong as horses. People can't pull as much weight as horses. People don't have that ability. In Bible times, the horses, that was where the power was. That's why the Bible tells us in the book of Psalms that some trust in chariots. And some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. And God said to Jeremiah, if you can't keep up with the footmen, then what are you going to do when the horses come? Our pastor in California, Pastor Treber, he would always use this verse. And he would always talk about how that when he was in Bible college, he was a little discouraged. And he was thinking about quitting. I don't think he was packing up or anything, but I think he was thinking about it. And he said, God gave him this verse in his devotions. And he said, you know, if I can't make it in Bible college, I'm not going to be able to make it in the ministry. And can I tell us tonight, if we can't make it when things are going smoothly, if you can't read your Bible when you're healthy, what makes you think you're going to read it when you're sick? If you can't stay in a marriage when things are working out and there's uh, uh, jobs and there's uh, money and there's food and, and things are going well, if you can't make it in the good times, What's going to happen when the hard times come? If thou hast run with the footmen and they have wearied thee, then how canst thou contend with horses? What are you going to do when the battle really gets hot? But then notice the next question. And if in the land of peace, wherein thou trustest, where, where everything's okay and, and everything is smooth, but what are you going to do if you're worn out and you're tired in peaceful times? What are you going to do in the swelling of the Jordan. Now that's an interesting phrase. During the months of March and April there in Palestine, that Jordan River would flood. 
And as a result of that flood, the, the, the brush and the trees and the, the, the thickets around that Jordan River would, would really grow very thick. And, and the, the wild beasts would make those places their, their home. And many times those wild beasts would come out of those places and they would be a danger. They would be a threat to the people. Some Bible scholars believe that this is the swelling of the Jordan is literally talking about wartime. I'll tell you one thing, it's talking about difficult times. It's talking about hard times. And if we can't make it when things are going well, like we sang at the beginning of the service, life is easy when you're up on the mountain, but what are we going to do in the valley? If we can't make it when things are going well, and if we can't serve God when things are going well, what's going to happen when tragedy comes? What's going to happen when trials come? I want you to see quickly, I'll give you a four-point outline in about five minutes. Number one, I see in this passage there's some effort. Now, Jeremiah was trying. You have to hand it to him because God said, if you have run with the footmen and they have wearied thee. So at least he was trying. And if you're listening tonight and you say, pastor, you're talking to me. I'm worn out. I'm weary. I'm tired. And honestly, my life is pretty normal. It's doing pretty good, but I'm wiped out. Well, I'll say this. At least you're trying. At least you haven't quit. At least you're still in the battle. At least you're doing something. But I see, number one, there's some effort. It's going to take some effort. Number two, I see the exhaustion. It says, if you've run with the footmen and they have wearied thee, you've become weary, you've become tired, you, you want to faint, you want to give up, you are physically, emotionally, spiritually, financially, you are drained. You are depleted. Uh, your battery is on 1% on your cell phone and it's fading quickly. It, you're done. It's over. There's exhaustion. Can I tell you, we all get weary. And if you say, oh, I never get tired and I never get discouraged and I never have a bad day, um, you, you've got other problems like honesty problems. We all get tired. We all face times of exhaustion. We all go through times in life where we just seems like we can't put one foot in front of another. But then I see number three, not only the effort and the exhaustion, but then I see the emergency. There's times in life where we feel like we're doing all we can and things are normal. And then we get the phone call. Then we get the email. Then we get the visit. Then we get the text message and emergency, disaster, hard times, trials, sorrows, heartache. And there are times where uh, the, it's not the time of peace, it's the time of war. There's times where it's not the footmen you're trying to keep up with, it's the horses and you're in the middle of the battle. And how do we go on in times of emergency? Proverbs 24, verse number 10, the Bible says, if thou faint in the day of adversity, Thy strength is small. Friend, we can't give up when the going gets tough. We can't throw in the towel just because we're tired or just because the times are hard. So you say, Pastor, that, that's so good that you're telling us all this and we're so happy you're telling us, but how in the world do we make it when we're putting forth effort? How do we make it when we're exhausted? How do we make it in times of emergency? I find in Isaiah 40 and verse 31, I find the answer. The Bible says, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. 
They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Aren't you glad God gives us that promise? That strength doesn't come from you. That strength doesn't come from me. That strength doesn't come from our ideas. It doesn't come from our organization or our planning. That strength comes from one source, and that is God Almighty. He renews our strength. Philippians 4.13, the Apostle Paul, he knew something about trials. He knew something about hardships, but he said, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Friend, I want to tell you, there is strength and there is power in Jesus Christ. There is power in the Word of God. There is power in prayer. There is power in the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God. And when you have exhausted all your resources, I want to tell you, God's resource is still capacity. It is still on full. God's power never runs out. Galatians 6, 9, the Bible tells us, let us not be weary in well-doing. Now, there'll be times where we'll feel exhausted. But let us not be weary in well-doing. Here's the promise. For in due season, we shall reap if we faint not. I shared this at the funeral service for Miss Mary McKinney. They spent the day fishing. She was 85. She was out fishing with her son Chris and her daughter Libby. They were out all day, 85 years old, and she came back after all day fishing, and the kids, they thought she was ready to call it quits. But they had fish to clean. They had work to do. And Miss Mary was not about to go to bed or not about to throw in the towel till the job got done, and so they started cleaning those fish. And Chris and Libby, they kept looking at mom, thinking, Mom, are you sure you want to keep doing this? Oh, yeah, yeah, we're going to keep doing it. And finally, they asked her, they said, Mom, how do you just keep on going? And Miss Mary answered by saying this, you just do. That's what she said, you just do. You just got to finish. You, you just can't quit. And I'll tell you how we keep on going. We don't keep on going looking at our own strength because then we will quit. We don't keep going looking at everybody else's strength because then we might quit. But we keep going looking unto Jesus. And we keep going in his power and in his strength. And they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.